Welcome to episode 46 of the Permaculture Pimp Cast. Yeah, the only pimp cast out there where we discuss permaculture preparedness and practical living. How you doing, son? Good, how are you? Doing good, man. This episode brought to you by Hickory Ridge Soap. Get it over at twooldcrows.com. Turn that simp into a pimp. Bam! Also brought to you by EMP Shield. 50 bucks off, y'all, with that promo code PERMA. P-E-R-M-A. Son, do you really think anybody needs you to spell that? Just in case. They, just in case. <laughs> I don't know. I don't there know. was that podcaster named Diego, and he felt <laughs> the need to. Yeah. He felt the need to spell it out as if, I mean. <laughs> Keep messing with me. I'm going to break out the NPR voice. Dude. I mean, honestly, if you got to learn how to. Dude, if you can't spell Diego, you need to be wrapped in the head with a tack hammer. All right, y'all. Check us out on the Fountain app also. It's a really awesome app where you can tip a pimp. It's the only place you can tip a pimp. Well, no, it's technically not. You can always send something if you like through the P.O. box. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. could also do it that way, or you could do it through the Fountain app. We're also looking at other <laughs> venues in which we can go ahead and, um, I don't know, we're, we're, we're looking at a bunch of different options right now. This show's becoming popular. A lot of people find it interesting. I, think, I hope you find it fun and entertaining and informative all at the same time. And today's going to be one of those really awesome shows, just like, all the other 45 of them, son, because yeah. they were awesome, too. And don't forget to share the show, because that's, that's that's really yeah. the only way this podcast is going to grow, is if you share the show. Well, with all the shenanigans going on, and I'll cover that more in the farm news section, but with all the shenanigans going on, y'all, that's really the number one way in which we're going to get this show out, and some of the information. Because some of what we say right now, the powers that shouldn't be, would like to see that stifled. All right, tip of the day, y'all. It's going to make sense, like it always does. Son, that steel electric chainsaw is the shiznit. Oh, that is not where I thought you were saying. I thought you were saying steel and electric chainsaw at first. Oh, well. <laughs> not the brand. Hey, well, you know what? It depends. If it's somebody in the Biden administration, man, they steal luggage. <laughs> they, they steal it for <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Borrow that. Go ahead and t- steal. Man, I better watch how I say this. But you could uh, acquire somebody's chainsaw, hang on to it, you know, hang on to it for what, three months? Yeah. And then turn back around. Oh, my bad, dude. I was tired. I didn't know about that. At least get him a new chain. Yeah, but you know what? That thing is definitely, we got it for your, I got it for your mom, but you use it like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's handy, especially it's handy for those jobs where you just need it like for a few seconds at a time. If you're going to be constantly cutting, it, it's not necessarily the best. But if you're like riding around on that rented side-by-side we have right now and you notice like a tree's in the way. That's when it's handy. That thing is handy, man. And it's still, it's got more power than I ever would have expected it to have. Mm -hmm. But man, those batteries ain't cheap. So we only got two batteries to it. But I got to say, man, I am not at all. I will, you know, I saw Nate Kramer when I was over his house and I saw him use uh, an electric zero turn mower. No, well, it wasn't just that. It was an electric chainsaw that he had, but it was made Uh, by Milwaukee. And it never even occurred to me because I love Milwaukee tools. For years, I'd used DeWalt. DeWalt, I couldn't stand them because what they did with the batteries and stuff. And then Milwaukee gets into business. I don't know, man. I might want to check out Milwaukee also because, you know, that's the cool thing. 
You know, that's one of the really awesome things. And one of the big reasons I got it also is that if things ever get so stupid where the power goes off or whatever, well, I can still use a solar generator. Yeah. Yeah. I can use a solar generator and a number of other ways to recharge those batteries. So, or even just a regular generator. You don't even need to use a solar one. Yeah. Well, it, I'm just saying if you couldn't get a resupply of fuel or propane or any of the other stuff or, you know, I, I, and, and I was honestly thinking about wood gas, any number of things yeah. in which you may, you know, run things like that. Of course, you're not going to get the same horsepower, but I don't mean to digress. But yeah, those chainsaws are the shiznit. And I wanted to I wanted to let you know, because honestly, for a lot of the ladies out there that don't like messing with an electric chainsaw, my wife being gas one of them. One. I mean, I'm sorry, gas one. Yeah, this one is a little less. Now, you still got to be off, obviously, pretty careful and cautious with it. But this one here, we put it through the test. So if you're thinking about giving something to somebody for a gift or anything, I mean, it ain't a cheap gift, um, but it's better than getting her a set of pots and pans, guys, if you know what I'm talking if you're about. Grand, like, if you're grandparent age or whatever and you have kids or you know a younger couple that is starting the homestead journey, that would be a really good gift to give them. It would. I would, that would, I would be always, a really good one. I mean, gasoline's always going to be my number one go-to. But like you said, that thing does have its place, man. You could actually, if you had more batteries, you could really knock the dust off that thing. Yeah. Because it gets it done, and the blades, you know, the the chain's great. All right, y'all, farm news. Well, it looks like, uh, I guess at this point, everybody's coming over. If they, you know, we've talked in the um, in our video today on YouTube and also on Bar- Brighteon. We're over there as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're on Brighteon, we're on YouTube, and we're on Rumble. Yeah, and you said Rumble's a, a little bit of a... Piece Rump, of work. Yeah, Rumble's kind of a nightmare. Uh, if you're uploading to Rumble, yeah, for, as far as like watching videos, I'm sure it's fine. But as far as like the creator aspect or the creator side of things, it's not. It's not very good. Well, like it doesn't really show you many analytics. It doesn't really show you like the comments, um, like the interactive part with the viewers and stuff like that. It's kind of yeah, it just doesn't work very well. Yeah, but I'm glad to be on Brighteon because I know that I can say just about anything over yep. there. I'm not so sure about Rumble. I got my concerns about some of the yeah. stuff that goes on with Rumble, but I know at Brighteon, uh, Mike Adams runs that one, so I know for a fact I'm, I'm not going to get messed with by saying the things we do. And these days, obviously, with the things we have been saying on here, uh, there's consequences to some of this, but maybe we'll get into that. He's built his own servers yeah well that's exactly what i'm talking about at least over there i know um we can say just about anything so i'm glad because honestly with the games that youtube has been playing i've been taught look i've talked to other um content creators on youtube and stuff and all of us that put out legit stuff I mean, we're not, you know, notwithstanding the video we put out today with the uh, thumbnail. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, you know, I was just, it was it was mostly a joke and really a jab to some some of the people out there that do that sort of thing. And... Um, the clickbait thumbnail. Yeah, the clickbait thing. You know, if you're saying some of the stuff that we're saying, and it, it seems like it's filtering over no matter the platform, that if we say it here in the podcast, they are playing games. Like Joel Salatin, his uh, keynote speech of the last time I saw him, it was like the homesteading tsunami or something like that. Yep. And so record numbers are coming into this space, but they're only being directed primarily at the fear mongers. I mean, you can go to socialblade.com and go look for yourself. And you're not telling me that all these people are getting into homesteading so they can watch some of the worst representatives in this entire homestead culture. 
You're not going to convince me of that. And I've talked to a number of others as well, and they fully agree. They saw their numbers plummet as well. Same with ours. You're not going to tell me that the needle didn't move on our subscriber count, but three people in three days. Come on, man. It's like an impossibility to get only three subscribers and have 80,000 subscribers. I mean, it's it, it just doesn't work like that on YouTube. Well, I didn't get the permission of some of the others, but I've talked to them. Um, if I said their names here, people would almost certainly know who they are. And they're being played. So unless you're doing like the Pollyanna kind of stuff or, you know, you're going to sit up there and try to make everybody cry. If you're doing that, they'll promote you. If you're, But look, it, like William said in the beginning, for this podcast and all the other things to get out, we are persona non grata when it comes to the powers that shouldn't be. And the last thing they want is somebody like me, you know, um, a quote person of color that isn't buying their BS. So I'm the worst person in the world who's not, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a constitutionalist and I'm the worst person in the world. They ever want to see have get the light of day. So especially if you run for president, well, (laughs) we'll just see about that. Well, son, you better. We, I better get my affairs in order because you know it's going to be a JFK Jr. in my. Nope. Uh, <laughs> yeah, ain't like you could trust the Secret Service, bro. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna hire a different bodyguard group. <laughs> yeah, get some old army buddies out there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you know, with the stuff we got going on here, I mean, I don't mean to bore you with some of the other nonsense going on, but I want you to know that they are playing games. So we have to we have to start reaching out to other platforms. And they're, I mean, they're playing games with our emails. I I just want you to know, and I want you to pray also, folks. We pray for y'all, and I'm asking you to pray for us as well, that the heavy hand of the powers or the unseen hands of the people that are responsible, we're praying that, you know, they get lifted. That, you know, you pray and whatever hand that is doing this, that they're stifled. That, they, that those of us out here that are trying to put out legitimate stuff are not messed with. Kind of like my homeboy Danny over at Deep South Homestead, which I'm not sure you know about or not. Somebody signed him up for the, uh, what do you call that? The, um, oh, shoot. It was like basically a public farm. Anybody can go up there, and I guess they thought it was going to be funny. Well, they got caught, too. Uh, what? Yeah, they basically, I can't remember through the USDA, like, I can't remember the name for it. It's basically um, like a community garden. You sign up. You can sign your farm up, I guess, somehow as a community garden. Yeah. Well, somebody, I guess, thought it would be funny to sign up Danny and Wanda. And in the process, I don't know if everybody got their address. I don't know what the deal was. But by the way, folks, that ain't the kind of place you want to just come no. rolling up on. Um, not, not at all. No. Um, that ain't Joel's place. No. <laughs> and it ain't our place. <laughs> it ain't our place. No, no. You don't. You, neither one of those places you want to just show up unannounced. Well, somebody put it out there, and uh, I guess they thought they were funny. Probably almost some, it's going to be some lunatic that did it. I mean, these are the passive-aggressive types that want to go out there and do that kind of stuff. So that sort of thing is happening, and in every way, electronically, you can imagine, y'all, we're being messed with. So we'll just ask your prayers that, you know, that, that they are stifled, you know, that they can't do these things. Well, son... You're out there, I mean, it looks like the Tunguska Forest down there right now, and I'm, we're going to yeah. get into that as a main topic, but man, yeah, we, got, it, uh, we got dead trees. I didn't realize how many. I knew we had a crap load, yeah. but I didn't know the full extent. Yeah, especially once you start going up towards the peak, there's just a ton of dead trees. There's another dead tree that just fell on the fence. Um, yeah, I yeah, cut that just, one out. Yeah, you just cut that one down. Um, I mean, it's just 
what happens when you leave a for- let a forest go. Well, it's not. Well, it's a combination of letting it go and you're overgrazing your animals too. Literally, both examples are on the same property because right. the lower part they did overgraze, and then the upper part they just completely let go. Yeah, and it, it's to the point where it's you're going to have your pioneer species. You know, a lot of people call those weeds. And, um, you know, it's, it, we'll get into more detail later, right. but yeah, it looks like everybody driving by is like slowing down because we are going to have firewood for decades. It appears. Yep. Um, okay. So what I've been up to here is in between the raindrops, not literally, but in between the other projects we got going on, I was canning a whole lot of broth and, um, let's see here. So we had we had one of those freezers crap out on us, and I'll tell you how I acquired another one too. But anyway, in the meantime, um, I was basically taking some of those old birds, and that's why you know all my laying chickens that are just tough as shoe leather, they basically become bone broth and dog food if the if the meat's too tough. And I mean, some of these chickens, man, I've had in that pot for three days, and it's still you can't hardly eat it. But the dogs don't seem to mind, so that's exactly what we're going to go with. Um, my goodness. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, yeah, let me tell you how I got another freezer. And this is something, you could even call this a tip. Uh, there, I got a friend, Ben the Ridge Ranger, even did a video with him a while back. And he gave us this sink. Well, I've also acquired two freezers from him. And he has a business where he goes around in some of these highfalutin neighborhoods and he picks up a lot of the stuff they throw away. And some of this stuff is fantastic, y'all. You wouldn't believe what these really, really wealthy, I'm talking like million and billionaires, what they throw away or what they barely use. Well, I've gotten two freezers out of him. Well, I was going by on Wednesday to, uh, I know a couple of chefs here and they've acquired their own place. And hopefully in the future, we'll talk about it. I mean, these are really, really awesome people. She and her husband bought this place, and this is like their American dream. Well, I go in there to go look at some of the electric work they need done because, frankly, they can't find an electrician. They've been calling around, can't get anybody to come out there and do any of the work, or they'll they'll answer the phone, yeah, we'll be, we'll be out, and never show up. So I'm a friend of theirs, and every time I go by the bakery they currently um, run, you know, they always give me free stuff and, you know, they're just wonderful people. I give them whenever I butcher an animal, I, I always give them meat. I mean, these are two legit chefs. I mean, awesome, excellent chefs. And in this place, you know, I've been something of a blessing to them. And, you know, this weekend, uh, probably Sunday, um, going to be even a bigger blessing. And the problem they have is that they got this new place and it was absolutely messed up. They're going to turn it into a bakery. It's going to be a a bunch of cool stuff, but it required a bunch of work. Well, this work being that, Hey, there's a lot of electrical problems and a lot of other problems and problems on top of problems. Well, I am a journeyman electrician, so I'm going to go out there and get that done. But check this out. You know, I was sitting here going on about how, you know, there's planned obsolescence freezers and everything. You wouldn't believe this, but as I'm going through the place and I'm looking at it, I don't want to mention his name right now. He looks over and says, man, do you need a, a big old chest freezer. I'm like, what? Well, yeah. I was like, does this thing work? He says, yeah, it's, it, it's an older model, but it, it, it runs like a top. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So that's what we do. I mean, folks, I, I guess the point I'm trying to make out here is that by being a blessing to other people and I, and I'm not trying to get on my high horse here, 
He has a freezer that is basically taking up space. They got walk-ins. They got other freezers. This one was this was just in the way, perfectly fine, works fine. A um, little bit older, and because I'm over here hooking them up, and I'm not doing it for any money. I'm just doing it because they're friends of mine, you know. Now, if they did have an electrician come out and do this work, we're talking thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. Yeah. To do what they want done. If they show up. Yeah. Well, that's the real problem. And um, I'm going to be able to go out there, probably get the lion's share of what they need done, maybe in a day, maybe two. Because when you start dealing with some of these places, you don't know what you're getting into. But I, have a, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on what I'm going to make it look better than anything they ever imagined. And I'm going to I'm going to square away some really, really awesome people. And probably get a lifetime subscription to biscuits. Yeah, that's what Dad's really doing it for. Is for nah, his biscuits. Nah, what, he loves these biscuits. Well, I don't know where you're gonna get. Well, as I'd have to work long and hard to get ten thousand dollars worth of biscuits because that's about what somebody <laughs> would charge them for what I'm gonna do. But look, the point being is that I traded. I'm trading labor, like with Ben. I'm trading something he needs. I'm gonna go over hit to his house and install his uh, EMP shield. Yeah. And in exchange for that, I'm getting another, not, not a, fr- well, it's not a freezer. It's a fridge. And this is one of those things that some of these highfalutin people are throwing away. I'm getting this fridge that is pretty expensive, man. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm, he's telling me this thing retails at like 2,600 bucks, but the amount of work that I'm doing for him, I'm not keeping score, but the amount of work that he wants done, we're looking at at least 15 to $20,000 worth of work, but I'm doing it because he's my friend and he's a, he's a good Good, good man. And it's the least I can do. And frankly, um, nobody can find anybody to do work. So if you got kids right now, I guess there's another thing I'm trying to overlay here. If you got kids right now that are looking for a career in something, everybody seems to think, and I was fed this nonsense and a lot of others were fed that you were fed this nonsense that you got to go to college in order to be successful. Well, I can tell you right now, in the skilled trades, you would not believe what some people are paying because they can't find anybody right now. And I had an apprentice that your mom and I ran into on the way up to Tennessee, saw him on the interstate, flagged him down, or just kind of waved at him. He pulls over. He calls me up and says, hey, man, pull over. So I'm sitting there, pull off this exit, sitting there talking to him. He was my apprentice up here when we first got here. Now the dude is literally doing his own business. Turned out, and honestly, I, I really think what he's doing is a little bit unethical. Number one, he wasn't a good apprentice. I mean, the dude was a fifth <laughs> year. I mean, honestly, the keeper, I'm not going to say his name, but he was a fifth year apprentice, and I was shocked because all these years of doing this work, it's like the people that are turning out in this trade are less and less capable. Mm-hmm. And what he was struggling to do as a fifth year apprentice, I learned as a first year apprentice. I'm like, hey, kid, bend me a uh, 28. 28 inch 90 and put a kick in it. I mean, this is electrician lingo and any electrician would know what I'm talking about. And he's sitting here bending this stuff. The 90 is, is like a 95. And I'm like, Hey man, you know, dude, put your level on this. What's going on? He said, well, it's pretty close. I'm like, what? Hold on. Next thing you know, it's beep, beep, beep. I'm going down. I'm like, well, no, nah, man, we don't play this pretty close stuff. I mean, you, it better be 90 degrees. If I tell you 90, make it a 90. If it's a 45, make it a 45. And um, long story short is this kid is out there making a killing. And he's not a really good, he's not a really capable electrician. So Maybe he learned a lot. Well, I don't know. You usually, you, 
he was kind of mixed up in drugs too. Oh, um, every other day it was some kind of excuse, you know, it was, he was a good kid. I mean, he, he meant well, he was a nice enough kid, but his work ethic really wasn't wonderful. So the point being that I'm trying to make here, I guess I'm taking a long way around to doing that is if you got kids that are looking for something to do, maybe don't poo poo skilled trades out there. Right. You can go to college and be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever you want to do, or you can drop out and be a pimp. Bam. Permaculture is my passion yep. for the people out there that are like, Oh, I can't believe he just said that. I hate pimps. Well, you don't like, you don't dislike our kind of pimps. Yeah. You didn't get past the title. That's right. We had a guy right the other day. He's a wimp. Woodworking is his passion. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can put whatever you want in there. Okay. Uh, into the news. I won't spend a lot of time on this. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Knife giveaway. Oh yeah. Yeah. Back in the, to the farm news, we have, uh, this month's knife giveaway is a Gerber highball. So it's a folding knife. So a couple episodes back, dad said that the Gerber wasn't any good. I think you're more talking about the multi-tool, right? Yeah. He says Gerber does have a couple of good knives. And this is one of those knives. This is a, uh, it's like a cleaver hollow grind. Um, and it's polished to like a mirror finish. But the cool part is that it's actually D2 tool steel, which is actually a pretty good um, like blade steel it's a little harp- harder to sharpen, but it has really good edge retention. So that thing looks like something out of a murder mystery, man. It looks like you'd well, murder somebody over an $8 bet with something like that. It's like a cleaver. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, it's some- made out of D2 tool steel with a liner lock and uh, my car to handle. Well, tell them how to get it. So to get it, you have to leave a five-star review either through the Apple uh, app, the Apple podcast app, the Android podcast app, uh, any of those review options. The Fountain app counts. Um, and then what was the other one? Yeah, is there another you got to be in the United States of Amnesia. Yeah. Hey, another one is you got to be in the United States. Uh, we shipped a knife to Australia earlier, and that was a hassle. I'm glad they were able to get it. Um, but, yeah. Well, it's funny because we got people all over the planet wanting bone sauce and yeah. they're wanting comfrey. I, man, I would have thought it would be a little more ubiquitous in Europe, but it's not. And yeah. so to ship some of this stuff, I mean, bone sauce we can do, I think. Um, it's I, mean, I can't even believe some of the asinine rules. We Somebody in Portugal was wanting um, some, um, what was it, uh, comfrey. Comfrey. Yeah. And... Come to find out, I mean, I just can't even believe it. Maybe because it's too doggone good. So we'll pick the best review between now and Monday. So the next episode. So the best review wins from now till Monday. Yep. Keep them coming, y'all. And we got it. This is the best way to make this show. I mean, the show's growing like nobody's business. I mean, no two ways about that. Yeah, it is. But more people need this information. So we're asking y'all to just spread it far and wide. Because it wouldn't shock me with all the stuff they're pulling right now and some of the other, you know, in uh, YouTube and some of the... I know yeah. we're not going to get messed with on uh, Brighteon. So if you ever find us missing on YouTube, go to Brighteon. Go to the website. Um, we're upgrading a lot of things right now. Be patient with us. And for anybody out there that wants it, I mean, we still got bone sauce. We can still plant comfrey as long as you can work that soil. Yep. There's a lot of other things that we have available out there. We got that comfrey salve, man, which your mom and Emily, boy, they absolutely love yeah, it. Yeah, well, I do too. That stuff is awesome. Well, when I went and saw that uh, nutty professor called my chiropractor, um, <laughs> I put, I did what you said, and I, I, I didn't even think of using that stuff. I ended up putting it on there, man, and it, it got me squared away. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really I use it on uh, mat burns from jujitsu because I always get like uh, mat burns on the top of my feet. 
Well, you should have put it on your neck then when you got choked down and couldn't speak right for a week. Well, I did at the end. I didn't even think of it at first until the end. Well, that stuff does work. All right, check it out. Um, I'm I'm just going to kind of zip through this, but it's just kind of giving you an overview of what's going on. There's this doctor. His name is Dr. Eric Naputi. He's a chiropractor. And check this out. Title of the article, while carrying out the population of Biden cabal is also terrorizing doctors who won't go along with a, quote, kill shot. Check this out. They're trying to do they're trying. Well, they're doing everything. He's out of Missouri. They're doing everything they can to keep this. Dude, it's like they're they're wanting him to pay like half a trillion dollars because all he was doing was telling people out there. um, What was it? Fifty two percent are less likely to die if they get enough vitamin D and um, I mean, and then he was going on about the virtues of all this other stuff. Look, y'all, I supplement, I work outside. I work outside and I still supplement vitamin D. And uh, he was talking about his effectiveness towards COVID and um, they won't let him go to court. They're basically trying to keep him out of court because if he goes in there and he gets to drop it on them. They keep playing games, and it's costing this guy millions yeah. of money he doesn't have. So they're afraid that if he ever actually sees the light of day in the courtroom, that all of a sudden, Discovery's going to pop up, and then they're going to find out this guy's really going to lay it down on him like Thor's ant, like Thor's hammer. Yeah. So, yeah, that's some of the dumb stuff going on. I mean, if it's, if it's so, come on, vitamin D? You're telling people vitamin D is good for you, and you're gonna they're trying to put you under a prison for that? The CDC actually had to back up recently because they were at first they claimed vitamin D and ivermectin and all that stuff had promising uh, results. At first they claimed that, and then they're acting as if they had no idea. Well, folks, just keep in mind if if it has anything to do with this government, and I'm not just saying it's because Democrats are in there. I'd say the same exact thing, and I've said the same exact thing when Republicans are in there. They are all polecats. They're not concerned. I don't care if it was Trump. I don't care if it's Biden. You better be looking out for number one because these people are trying to put you in number two if you dig. All right. Other one. Check this one out. Drinking water to retail. How rail strike will upend the economy. Well, they're talking about going on strike. We're talking about railroads, okay? Now, as I was going through this article, and I found this curious, all this stuff in here that they're citing, like, okay, what's going to suffer if they have a rail strike? Water treatment. Grain shipping. I mean, the cool thing about being an industrial electrician is I've worked in a lot of these places where rain, well, well, where railheads, boy, say that 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> where railheads. Yeah. Where they come in and drop off stuff. Like when I worked at, uh, I worked at uh, General Mills one time in Kansas City. When I say I work there, y'all, I go in to do work in these places. And you, you could be there for a month. You could be there six months. You know, you're basically, as a union electrician, you're working on a part-time basis unless you're, you know, when you're haul trash like me, you know, you go there when the job's done, you go back to the hall, go get another job. So you work for a lot of contractors. You work in a lot of different places. So when I say I've worked in these places, I really have. I mean, they're talking about water treatment. I worked there as an apprentice. Okay, that's going to be a problem because they're saying all the stuff they use to treat this water comes by railhead. Uh, grain. I've been out there when I saw rats the size of cats out there in the in the train yards where all this grain falls off the trains. Yeah. And um, it'll floor you. But, I mean, we're talking. It is hard to get your head around the fact that there are rail cards filled to the brim with grain and honestly, if you saw what I saw, you'd be thinking about twice about what you eat there. They're talking about the retail establishment. Right. They're going to suffer. And then they they cite ethanol. 
in this uh, article as well. If the train guys go on strike, also a lot of, um, you know, things that people use for crops are also going to suffer. Well, I imagine they'll be done like the air traffic controllers back in the day. But then again, I don't know if I'm just going to trust anybody to drive a doggone train. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't really veer off. Well, these railroad guys, man, they stick together kind of like miners, man. You don't cross that picket line, dude, or you wind up like Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> so uh, point being, here's the one thing I noticed they didn't point out because I've done a lot of work in these places, and I'm talking coal-fired powerhouses. Folks, I've done a lot of my career when I was working with my tools in coal-fired powerhouses, and you would not believe the mountains of coal that come into that place on rail. I mean, that's how it gets there. They don't put yeah. it on truck. It's inefficient. There's no more efficient way except for barge to move this kind of weight. And that's how it gets there. Well, all of a sudden, you know, I noticed in this article, they didn't cite any of that. And this is like NBC or, uh, yeah, NBC News, of course, ain't going to point that out. <laughs> so coal, all that coal gets there by rail. Okay. So if these guys aren't running, well, how do you think they're going to power these powerhouses? They're not. There's going to be a whole lot of cold people. That's what I'm talking about. So y'all, I mean, I know our, you know, our tagline in this thing is stay alert, stay alive. But look, we're providing all the reasons why you ought to be doing that very thing. All right, maybe I should have picked up something a little bit more upbeat, but I love the words in that song, and I love his performance, man. There's a couple of awesome songs from Johnny Lang. Actually, quite a few, really. Uh, your mom's favorite, I remember we saw him do it live one time at a free concert. It was called Irish Angel. For real, look up Johnny Lang, Irish Angel, and get ready to cry, y'all. I mean, you're going to ball. <laughs> and you picked him? Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Dad picked the music this week, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, I, man, I love these I love these jamming songs. All right, y'all, let's get into what you probably tuned in for. Uh, we recommended that you come over on the YouTube and also on Brighteon and yep. Rumble. And we were going to talk about Silvopasture because really and truly, um, there's a, we can only go so far in a video because it can only be so long. It requires editing, but really this is the better format to explain it. And then also we go into greater detail um, regarding some of the how-to in oh, Patreon. No. Yeah, right. So, Sam, why don't you tell them what basically Silvopasture is? Well, Silvopasture is just like the combination between your like forestry crops and your livestock crops. So, and, and it doesn't have to be limited to that either. Depending, like if you're starting with pasture and you're turning that into silvopasture and you have planted all the trees and you have complete control over that, then obviously you can have um, silvopasture mixed with like a syntropic system. Just don't let your livestock have access to the syntropic system. Well, um, I think it, the, it's really limited only to what you are able to do. Well, we've been doing it for years. Yeah. And also, but we've also done it almost, well, not entirely. I was going to say just within orchards, because what we do, we typically, our, mas our basic go-to design from the very beginning has always been to 
Um, it's always been silver pasture, and that's what we've always done. Um, so in a nutshell, what that looks like for us is that we have lines or rows of fruit trees. And of course, we pimp out those entire rows with swales. The guilds, the support guilds, species, that's right. all that. So it's so think about this. We always talk about how nothing could be in isolation. And frankly, I'm a, I'm a little embarrassed that we didn't talk about silvopasture before. Yeah. I mean, we've mentioned it before. We just haven't, haven't done any like main videos on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, and I'm glad we finally got around to it because we did it more in the classic silvopasture sec- setting that most people would expect. Yeah. What they don't expect is how we do it in terms of our orcharding. Yeah. And uh, as we dig our swales and stuff through this uh, spring, which is what we plan on doing, we are going to actually have some swales out here. So the idea with the silver pasture is that you're taking, instead of having everything in isolation, which we think we ought to do in a, you keep hearing me say this, reductionistic worldview, mm. where you got your trees over here for this and that. Well, think about the value of that land, okay? Here's the value of silver pasture. So let's say you have a grove of, let's say, some sort of nut tree. Take your pick, okay? Now, all you're going to get off of that is just a nut crop, and then, bam, that land is basically not being used for anything else. But if you can thin it out in such a way to where you can still have the advantage of grass growing in there and try to get all seven layers in there, and you spread these trees out in such a way to where you not only achieve that, but now you have space to be able to run your ruminants through there. Right. And not just your ruminants, also your omnivores the way we do it. Yeah, it could be your ruminants, it could be your chickens or pigs. It, could, it really depends on how you have it set up. To Well, in our case, it's kind of cool how we basically ran the pigs through because, folks, I'm talking, it was a mess. What these people left us with, and it's fine because this is part of what I love about this job. I don't even consider it a job. My, my passion here, my permaculture passion what I found so awesome about it is that we can take the most degraded place on planet earth and we transform it and you see it happen before your eyes. And what we have is a jacked up forest up there yeah. with a lot of um, hardwoods yeah, that and, have been mismanaged. Yeah. And now you've been clearing them out in such a way to where we now have the advantage of being able to do that. So think about it. Instead of just having that nut crop or fruit crop, why not get that crop? get a berry crop, get a beef crop, I'll call it a crop, get a sheep crop, get a chicken crop, get an egg crop, get a pig crop, the way, when I say pigs in the way we do it. And you could also, I mean, let's say you're in like the horse raising, uh, farming aspect as well like you're like raising uh, like racehorses and stuff like that. You could still do silver pasture. Well, the way we do it is even, even though it's not off and running, we're using the pigs to get us access. You could very well use goats. Yeah. So you can use those animals. You can call them your introductory animals. So now they clear a path. Now we can go in there, hit, hit it with a chainsaw. It could even be that electric one I'm talking about. But when you're dealing with the kind of area we're dealing with, this is not an overnight thing. Right. So we got to go in there, clear this out, because frankly, nothing can grow underneath that dense canopy that was over there. Yeah. And so now... We're able, now we, we carved out a little piece and we're going to keep going up the side of this mountain with it where we're taking out all this stuff that is in no way going to be productive and we're going to clear it out to the point where we can actually not only get a nut crop out of it, but get all the things we cited. We're going to get pork, we're going to get beef, we're going to get chicken, we're going to get eggs, we're going to get all this stuff through there 
And how cool is it? Because now your animals have a place to go where they get shade. Yep. They get shade and food. Yes. Yes. Or it can block them depending on how you you have it set up. You could even have a riparian zone at the edges maybe block some of the wind from your most dominant place if that's an issue for you. Yeah. Um, So it's we are missing the boat in so many different ways, y'all, by not concentrating on this stuff. And frankly, we're a little guilty because we haven't been really demonstrating how it can be used and utilized. But And also, whenever you find, like, let's say you're going through an existing forest and you're trying to turn it into silvopasture and you have, like, a couple of trees that you have picked out that you definitely want to keep. They're just really good, healthy trees that you want to propagate or just keep. Um, the calculation for clearing around those trees is if you walk up to the tree you want to keep at about chest height, uh, take the diameter measurement in inches and convert those inches into feet. So if you have 12 inches, it turns into 12 feet, not one foot. Um, and then you double it. So 12 feet times two is 24. And then you want to clear a 20 foot, uh, 24 foot radius around that tree. How awesome is that? Tell them where you got it, son. That's from Joel Salatin. Right. The pimp daddy of Polyface himself. Yep. Yep, and of course he got it from somewhere too. Um, this isn't hard to find as far as information, but that is basically now that only applies for the kind of trees we're dealing with right now. That right. does not apply in terms of orchards. That's when you're dealing with poplars and oaks right. and all yeah. that sort of thing out there. When you got big, big uh, old growth kind of trees, that's where you want to use that rule of thumb. Um, Everything goes out the window when you do silver pasture the way we do it in an orchard setting because your spacing, they are not, our orchards are not going to be so set up. They're going to be set up to where we can isolate the animals away from it. Right. Okay. So that's why you don't want animals jumping your fence because it's important that they respect that because all you need is one hair sheep getting out and he could girdle an entire orchard if you ain't careful. Yeah. Yeah. And then also show the rest of them how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to be very, very cautious on your management if you do it that way. Now it's going to be less consequential in a in an old growth forest. So if you're gonna if you look up silvopasture, you're almost certainly gonna I haven't I mean, if you go look it up, I imagine the picture you're gonna see is a quintessential view of old growth trees yep. spread out, and then you're gonna see probably cows in there. Well, I'm here to tell you you can run everything through everything through there because we do. And if it's in an orchard setting, well, here's the beauty about all that. Here's the beauty of taking all these different dogs to the hunt. So imagine close your eyes if you have to, unless you're driving. I know a lot of folks listen to us on the way to work, so don't do that. Just imagine. Let's just say you're on relatively flat ground. Now imagine a line of trees, and let's call it a permaculture orchard where you have a nitrogen apple pear, nitrogen apple pear. You get it all the way up and down there, okay? Now, let's imagine, like the way we laid it out at Jason from So the Land's Place, let's say 100 feet away, you're going to lay out another row of trees. Well, what do you have between there? you got space. And let's say on the downhill side, you know, obviously there's, let's you live living in the Bonneville Salt Flats, believe me, you got a slope to your land. So what we do, and this is using so, this is why I love Silvopasture so much, y'all, is because in between, those groves of trees, those lines of trees, if you will, we're running our animals. Okay. So let's say you got a flirt and let's say you got cows and along with your sheep out there, you run them through first. And then of course your chickens go afterwards. And, um, depending on the kind of pigs, you're probably not going to want them out there at that point. Yeah. Now in an old growth section where we have it, 
pigs are perfectly fine. Definitely. But yeah, definitely I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have them grazing in between your orchard for the first 10 years. Not unless, probably. Not unless they're mangalitsas or something like that. Yeah. You know, are only going to do so much damage. But when you got pigs, unless you're wringing their noses and stuff like Mark Shepard does. Right. Um, so imagine you're running all these animals through there. But y'all, here is the beauty of it all. Those animals poop. And then there's this stuff that falls from the sky. We call it rain, right? It rains, washes that poop down into the swale. Now to the benefit of everything you got planted in that swale. How beautiful is that? How awesome is that? So you're passively fertilizing your trees at the same time you're grazing your your animals. Right. And that's in the orchard setting. But going back to, let's say, the old growth section. I mean, think about all the other things you can be doing out there, son. What about coppicing and pollarding? I mean, yeah, we got. I mean, as got, you're clearing, you could be stacking away your tree hay at the same time, depending on what time of year you're uh, clearing. I remember watching this guy years ago, where he was pointing out how when they checked the tree rings out here that they have been pollarding this tree since the time of the Romans. Wow! And this was in England, you know. Oh wow! That they had been doing it for that long. They were pollarding, and of course, he kept it up. He kept on doing it. I mean, this has been around forever and a day. That's the beauty of taking these systems, and it's all in the silver pasture setting. How cool is that? I mean, and then, of course, you know, you're taking out, you got fodder trees you're growing out there. I mean, you can coppice them, you know. Well, the stumps, some of the stumps that I cut and some of the trees that I cut will have new growth next spring. Right, and we can leave it that way. We can absolutely leave it that way. Yep. I mean, I know the golden rule is not cover cut more than a third of a tree, but depending on that tree, they're going to love being coppiced. Yeah, cutting a third of the tree, that's limited to your fruit trees that you want to keep. <laughs> well, think about also, in addition to that, you're constantly going to have to deal with trees that are troublesome. Yeah. So here's your steady flow of trees you can put in the fireplace. Yeah. Or yeah. use for any, or use it for woodworking. Use it for building material. Yeah, I have a couple chunks set aside to carve. Well, you cut out some of those cherries, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do with those? The the cherry isn't my favorite wood to carve. That stuff is real. Is it's not it's not fun to carve. It's really not a good wood to carve. I mean, it looks pretty. It is a like it presents like a good uh, final project. But as far as like the user experience, it. Well, I talked to you about making another kitchen table out of it. Oh, yeah. That's what. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about my carving. Well, I was thinking that at the time when I asked, but I was also like, I talked to you the other day. I was like, well, maybe, maybe we want to go ahead and plank some of this stuff. Well, yeah. I want a really balling kitchen table out of it. I want to take some some of those logs over to the sawmill. There's one over in Burnsville I want to take it to. Well, we'll have to get that stuff loaded up and get it looked at. I mean, yeah. Um, Justin also, and that's going back to what we talked about before. He has a sawmill over there. We'll just see what the options are. Um, but there's so many different things you can do out of here. So think about it. You're, you're acquiring wood, you're acquiring nuts, you're acquiring fruit, Yep. you're acquiring animals. I mean, in a silver pasture setting, that's why when you see an open field, not saying there's anything wrong with that, but as often as you can, this is we try to put silver pasture every single place we possibly can. Yeah. Because it just makes sense. To it's, us it makes sense. It's the most like efficient way to use your land is to have a it's just another layer to a forest really. You just added another layer that moves around through your forest. Right. So so if you got some forest out there y'all think about and and if you want to see I mean yeah I know it's a little bit behind a paywall but we even have a dollar I mean on Patreon we got to get paid something, you know. 
And like, I mean, yeah. Look, and they take thirty percent of that dollar. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, if you want to see it, we got we're we're showed in like real time, but we basically explain it right here. If you don't want to do that, I know money's tight for everybody, but it also helps us out as well. And um, really. And truly, when you get down to it, man, it's kind of an embarrassment to us because we have relied on Silva Pastor for so long. I can't think of a single thing we've ever done where there wasn't some means of Silva Pastor incorporated into it. I can't think of a single design or consultation I've done where I haven't like brought up and discussed it with them. Right. So it can be, I mean, if you just want to run cows through there, fine. Uh, that's fantastic because, like he said, the symbiosis, well, I, you know, you have a different types of relationships. You have a parasitic, you have a commensal and you have a mutualistic relationship. This to me, silvopasture is the ultimate mutualistic relationship because the trees are providing shelter, windbreaks, um, on those really, really hot days, man, it's a really good place to run your animals where they're going to get some kind of relief, mm-hmm. you know, get some, get some breeze through there. Plus what happens when you go in the woods, what happens to the temperature, son? It drops. Bam. Yeah. Permaculture 101 right there, y'all. So you're cooling off your animals, depending on the section, you know, the kind of thing you have in there. But even within our orchards, guess what? Our nitrogen fixtures, for the most part, are or the are the overstory. Yeah. yeah so they can Especially be the a couple ones. of those black locusts. A couple of them have gotten real tall. Right. Well, yeah. I've coppiced, well, I didn't coppice, I pollard a fair piece of them today yeah. because that's what I was doing today um, in between having to do all, all you know, everything else. And, um, but the point being is that the areas where I pollard, guess what? It's going to bush out. So if you wanted to pollard that thing or even coppice it, guess what? You got tree hay. Yep. Or let's say you have some of those invasive things that a lot of people hate, like mimosa. Well, everything loves to eat mimosa. Yeah. At least your animals do. Yeah, they do. So you can pollard. I mean, you got tree hay. You got so many different options, y'all. So quit thinking that you got to be stuck with one little thing. Don't let's not, let's all agree to not do anything in isolation because the truth of it is it's good. Everything is going to do. Your animals are going to do better in that environment. Your trees are going to do better in that environment. All seven layers of your food forest or orchard are going to do better in that environment. You're just replicating an ecosystem that you have almost complete control over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would absolutely. The beauty about the area of doing it in old growth is that you don't have to worry about sequestering your trees away from your animals. Right. So that's, that's not a big concern one cool thing about combining the swale though. It's because yes. it gives you that actual, that physical earthwork to line your fence up with. Like you don't have to go through, like I remember at Jeff Lawton's, we had to move the cows to a pasture where he just planted trees so we had to put up field fence around those trees before we could actually move the move the cows. In this scenario, you don't have to do that. No, no, that's the beauty about all this, folks. This is why we're we're encouraging everybody out there try if you can. Look, I know money's tight, but there's some economical options out there for a permaculture design. Um, you can go look and find one yourself. Nicholas Burtner at School of Permaculture has one. I think twenty five bucks a month. Yeah. For a PDC class. Yeah, get your permaculture design, y'all, because you're not going to see the world the same. I promise you. And honestly, if you're if you're if your biggest exposure to permaculture has been some of these, I've been critical about them before. And I'm gonna try to do a better job of being friendly with them, but some of the people that come from the purple section of permaculture, yeah, 
I've been really critical about these people. I had a lady write me an email asking me to interview uh, somebody who wrote a book. I'm going to try it. I don't know how this is going to go down because she's oh, really um, not. Look, well, you want to say who it is? No, not yet. I, I'm, I'm still trying to, I want to read her book first and then find out if she's going too far off the rails for me. Uh, but I'm seeing pieces and pockets of it in there. This is something I've learned from Joel sitting down, having the advantage of being able to talk to him for, you know, having his ear for a while and I read his blog all the time. And if folks, you want to do that because it's extraordinary, but I'm also trying to make myself understand the value of other viewpoints in this sector, because frankly, there's things I'm, I know I'm missing the boat on, but when it comes to, I wanted to call this whole thing, pragmatic permaculture. I wanted to call it that because, and we've been critical about a lot of these people that have, you know, theoretical, what I call theoretical permaculture and never actually put it to work. Um, I'm going to try to see if there's not some way to be able to fuse my brain because frankly, there's a whole lot of people out there that have been turned off from permaculture because they yeah. haven't seen people like Eric Sider because yep. maybe the loudest voices here are some other people that talk a big game, but they don't do anything or they're highly critical of the people that are trying to do something and failing. Well, remember how we do it here. Y'all we fail while daring greatly. Okay. That's what we do. That needs to be on a shirt, son. Yeah. Yeah. So this is why I'm suggesting go out there and get your permaculture design certificate because I want you to, you're going to see the world differently. I promise you. And if you want the best of all time, and I think even Nicholas, I know Eric would agree uh, nobody's better than Jeff Lawton. There is no, no. better teacher out there. Um, having gone through his permaculture design, y'all, I'm telling you there ain't another teacher on planet Earth that is better at conveying it. No matter what. But it's not it's not cheap either, but no. it's, it's well worth, I think. It's the best money I've ever spent in my life. I really believe that. No matter what he were to teach, like it could have been any topic, he would have still been the best teacher ever. He is a really awesome teacher. I don't think there's anybody better. I mean, I, even in his free stuff that you look online, yeah. I mean, you're not going to find a better teacher anywhere. And I, I, I'm, I'm not even the beginning of a pimple um, when it comes to anything in terms of teaching. All right, y'all, we could talk forever in a day. In fact, we might have to go ahead and do a part two on this one, y'all, because there's so much. I wonder how many people turned off this podcast so they can go check out Irish Angel. <laughs> and I, man, don't be doing it while you're driving because I know somebody's going to be like, "Oh my goodness, it's a it's a beautiful song." But and I think he's never recorded that. I think he only does it live. Oh, but your wow. mom absolutely loved it. All right, straight to the Q and A because I went entirely too long. We're going to have to do a part two on on Civil Pastor because honestly, we barely touched all the possibilities and all you can do with that. And we're also going to have to do a part two on that video as well. Um, all right, this one here from Ken. Quick question. I can't find answers in your videos. What do you use as bedding for the birds? And he's talking about the, uh, he said, I'd rather not buy bedding. I've been told to use wood chips so the birds uh, don't get bumblefoot. All right. And he's talking about chicken tractor on steroids. Right. Well, we use pretty much any carbon source we can get our hands on. We use wood chips. We've, we have used it. 
no problems at all. Um, It'll take longer to decompose in your compost, though. Yeah, it's going to take forever in a day. But if you're in a rush, I mean, we take, honestly, we've taken spent hay that we've used from, let's say, the bull shelter. We've put it in there. We've used it from the pigs. Um, and we put that in there just seeing how far we can push this thing. Uh, leaves I mean, this time of year, fantastic. Yeah, it depends on where you're located. Uh, would probably determine the best carbon source. Like at Jeff Lawton's, we used bamboo leaves. He had a whole bamboo grove. We just went out there and raked them up. Yeah, you use whatever use, you can. Yeah, you could use regular leaves. You could use straw, hay, anything like that. Uh, from the Fountain app, this is from uh, Mir Lin. Um, was great meeting you at the conference in Hannibal. Love the pimp cast. Cool. Check out my brother's podcast over at SOTG.com. Student of the gun, if you have some time. Thanks. All right. Cool, man. Um, we got one from Daniel here. He says, "Keep uh, good morning, pimps. See, I, you know, it's cool that, you know, everybody's starting to get into the lingo because, yes, yeah. permaculture is my passion. I don't care what everybody else says. Um, nothing wrong with that word the way we use it. He says, keep on delivering truth and solutions. You guys rock and encourage myself to do. Man, that's so awesome. Um, let's see here. Oh, he was asking about the, he's got a picture here. I know it's not doing anybody any good here, but he's got a lemon tree, son. And he's wondering what you do. He said, I started to mire lemon from an organic seed in early 2020. And bam, this thing is looking great, man. Look at this. That thing oh, is wow. off the hook. Um, he's basically wondering whatever tips and tricks you use on yours. Go ahead and tell him the truth. Man, if you find any, let me know. Uh, I haven't done anything with that Meyer lemon down at, or those two Meyer lemons down at the uh, high tunnel where you need to repot them. Um, but yeah, we were waiting to repot them until the lemons came off and we got a couple of lemons off of them. But now we can go ahead and repot them. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't have any tips. Well, Sorry, man. you know, I mean, honestly, they kind of got a little neglected down there, too, because I think. Yo, Should have brought them in dorms. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, hopefully they're still alive, but truth of it is we're looking for some heating solutions inside there because we know it's going to get really cold and it's only going to get colder. And we're, you know, I'm reaching out to a bunch of people, but I got to be honest, y'all, man, people will not respond to a doggone email. Oh yeah. They, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> I, I'm like, man, I try, I know it may take a few days, but I eventually get back to you. Some of these people, man, I don't You're know. You're talking about for the, like the heating solutions? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like writing to these people and they won't get back. Um, we got, we got Bobby. She wrote last week, son. She was the one uh, whose husband came up with that uh, response regarding the Holocaust museums. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, hey, your husband is a genius, by the way, man. That I mean, I can't believe I never thought of that. Yeah. I can't believe as to why I never even thought of that. But man, it was right on the money. But he was also saying... Um, and this is the part of the question I missed. Uh, he says, we live in Arizona right now, born and raised. Sad to see the direction is going. Yeah, you and me both. And they're looking forward to going to Texas. We're a multicultural family, African-American, Mexican, Asian, Native American, European. Uh, we're looking at around 30 minutes outside of Fort Worth, Dallas area. Um, any suggestions to areas that might be friendly to such a diverse group? Okay, uh, considering uh, that area, you're not going to have any problems. No. I mean, I mean that thirty minutes outside of Dallas Fort Worth is still Dallas Fort Worth. Yeah, <laughs> you're still in Dallas Fort Worth. I don't know. I, I don't know what people are saying out there, but honestly, it's a pretty colorblind place. Yeah, you're good. We I've only ever ran into anything. Remember that idiot down the road from us uh, rode on his trailer, knock, knock or, or get, get shot. shot. Yeah, you know he spray painted that on his trailer. On his trailer. 
on his yeah. own building, sat there, and he would drive up and down the road. Well, he'd ride his driving. horse. He'd ride his horse up and down that road and throw beer cans out in front of our place. Beer bottles. Yeah. And um, I remember trying to say hi to this clown one day. I mean, outside of that, generally, there was never any problems. Now, there's a reason we left, and I would caution you on this. And sorry, Texans. I mean, I'm just got to keep it real. Um, biggest problem in Texas. The police state sucks there. Yeah. I mean, you better make sure that license plate is uh, not dirty at all. And yeah. I mean, like you're like there better not be any dust on there. Well, they took you to jail for it. I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, it's they're constantly trying to pull you over, find drugs in your car, and send you to jail. That's that's what their mo is. And if they can't, there was a guy that recently got busted in Texas for planting. He got a ton of people, like a ton of people. Well, I will say this. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a for-profit prison place. And the, the biggest complaint I had about Texas, honestly, they would shake you down. These cops, at least in the areas where we lived, they would shake you down. Now, you got people driving up and down the road in Dallas like they got no sense at all. Yeah, there's that too. And they don't get messed with. But if you're just a giant Q, whatever, going to work, and maybe you're two miles over the speed limit, everywhere around there, man, they would shake you down for the change in your pockets. To prove a point... Uh, Dallas got snow, right? And then there was a 300-car pileup in Dallas. Uh, Emily's brother, John, he lives in Dallas. He heard it from his house. A 300-car pileup. Yeah, so, that explains I mean, the drivers in Texas. There's a there's a reason we, we left there. Honestly, the I know Texas has it, has its virtues, but honestly, our experience, and I ain't just saying me and you, it ain't, and by the way, it's not a, it's not a black thing. It's not a white thing. It's a revenue generating thing yeah. and these cops are like nothing i've ever seen in my life i mean get pulled over twice on the way home for the most idiotic things and i'll put it this way i worked in a shop i know i'm going a little long on this but i, I need to give you the full skinny on it and anybody else um we were um i worked in the shop with at that time there were 130 people out of that 130 people until william got taken to jail for having a dirty license plate and refusing to sign the ticket because it was absurd, I found out, of course, you know, it's like you don't ever notice all the other cars like yours until, you know, you buy one. Right. And then it was the same thing. Out of the 130 guys, 100 of them were in between court dates, and none of them except for one, this guy Jimmy, everybody just thought that was a fact of business. And they didn't find it unusual. Yeah. And Jimmy, he's like, I have got to get out of here, man. I mean – I've never seen anything like it. So I, that's the biggest caution I would give you in terms of Texas. Now, it's either cold or it's hot. You're not going to get four seasons out there. But then again, in Arizona, I don't know that you yeah, are you either. You might be used to it. Um, <laughs> but they get cold or hot every single day. <laughs> Texas has its virtues. A lot of wonderful people there, I will admit. But I got to say, the policing is... I, I can't imagine it. I've never seen another state where it was worse. Not even close. Not even a close second. Um, I got a question from Agatha Raisin from the Fountain app. Viva Frey, uh, I guess it's a statement actually. Viva Frey on Rumble had Whitney Webb on for interview. Oh, and everything yeah. they said uh, reinforces your message about a parallel economy. The importance of gaining skills and growing food. Like the way you roll there. Yep. And that's yep. exactly what we're going to have to do, y'all. Because there's just so many people out there trying to look. If it, I'm just wondering if the thing in China is legit. I mean, if it yeah. is real, 
I'm wondering, if, I'm not wondering, I know at what point we will finally have enough, of, we'll have enough of it. And frankly, that all leads, the only way to wake up the majority of the American people at this point is starvation. And um, before we get to that point, there's going to be people to succumb to it. I hate to tell you that. But we have got to have these parallel economies to where I can trade with you, you can trade with me, I buy your stuff, you buy my stuff. It's like in most Muslim neighborhoods, like up there in places like Michigan, the money changes hands, I forget what the number was, let's say yeah. 30 times before it ever leaves that community. We ought to be doing the same thing. And that's the beauty about freesteading.com is that we're opening opportunities. There are opportunities out there for us to do that. We need to exploit them. All right, got one from Ken. Um, he says, hope, I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. None of the comfrey seems to take root. I was wondering if I could grow the comfrey indoors over the winter. I have multiple plants uh, I want to have multiple plants come spring. Yeah, you can absolutely do that. Yeah, you can. I would also give your comfrey more time, though, too. Yeah, there's that. And there's, then also... That's the, probably they, the one of the biggest issues with the comfrey is people don't give it enough time. And then they get surprised by it. Like, oh, right, there's comfrey here. Oh, yeah, dude, you already sent us some more. But yeah, that's what happens. If you're planting it right now, almost certainly, unless you're bringing it inside, yeah, that's not a bad idea. It's not a bad strategy at all. But make sure you don't put it in potting soil because it won't do as yep. well. It's, it's, and a lot of times it's going to absolutely not come up. Comfrey does, does better in the worst soil you put it in. Um, I got a comment from or question from Poe Boy on Fountain App. Hashtag tip a pimp. Should I wait until spring to start honey locust seeds, then transplant next fall? Or is it possible to start indoors over winter and transplant in the spring? Zone 6, Kansas City. Yeah, um, you can do both. I would start them outside. Yeah. Uh, also, your honey locust seeds might have to go through... They might have to cold go through either like cold stratification or scarification or something like that. So I would double check that um, before you do that. Because if they need to go, like if they need to cold stratify, then I would definitely do it outside because well, it's just going to happen. Able, you know, you might be able to identify some and uh, just dig them up. Well, I mean, he has the seeds. Well, I mean, you might not even have to go through that. I mean, we, we do it with black locusts a lot of times, too. Yeah. You know, when I want to take a black locust, and we're, we're mixing up, our, we're diversifying even more our nitrogen fixtures around here. Uh, hopefully tomorrow or maybe the next day, maybe pick up some more of that false indigo that I tried to get the other day. But your honey locust might have to go through some sort of abuse, so I would find that out first. It might, yeah. A lot of our nitrogen-fixing shrubs and stuff that your mom has going right now, see buckthorn and some of the others, they have to go through that, so... Keep that in mind as well. But yeah, you can do either or, but maybe do both. All right. We got a guild question. This one coming from Roman. Uh, can I use New York City horse poop in place of Washington, D.C. and my guilds <laughs> under the cardboard? Uh, there's so much information about. OK, here's a problem I would worry about is when you got horses in that city, I would almost bet a buffalo nickel. They've been shot up with every dewormer imaginable. Everything. Horses get everything. Yes. In them. Yeah, especially when you consider the fact that it's not being uh, raised for meat. So that uh, really the justification for that goes through the roof as far as like, oh, I can shoot this horse up with anything to keep it alive. I'd be really careful about that. Um, you I would probably I wouldn't use it directly for sure. But what I'd like to, what I would do if I just had to do it, I would compost that stuff seriously. Yeah, you could collect it throw it in like sawdust or straw or hay and maybe let it sit for a while and then use it as your like sandwich in between on your uh, trees. Um, comment from Robin or question from Robin Holstein. Another good show. Hashtag tip a pimp. 
Do you have experience with dwarf trees or shrubs? I am working with a small yard. Ah, Eric Sider ought to be helpful on that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, far- we usually grow semi dwarf. Semi dwarf, yeah. Or like, uh, we might have a couple dwarf varieties. I don't know. We don't Texas, have any. maybe. Yeah, out here we don't. Well, no, I take that back. We got a fig that's a dwarf variety. I can't recall the name of it right now. That elderberry's never going to get big. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got we got a few of them. We, I know for sure that fig is a dwarf version of it. And um, interesting uh, things going on with it. Uh, one of them's doing real good, but caught Milk Boy over there chewing on it the other well, day. Yeah, Milk Boy also lays on top of another one. Yeah. So I'm going to have to deal with him on that one. But um, we really don't have a whole lot of experience with dwarfs. Uh, but I would have to believe that really the – I don't know that it's going to overlay any differently from what we've yeah. taught already. It shouldn't be. It's just going to be easier. to. It, it's not going to produce as long, I don't think. Um, but it should just be easier to harvest and take up less space. All right, cool. We got one from Adam here. Um, he's asking um, – do we have any storage solutions on vegetable harvest, uh, particularly potatoes and, and stuff like that? Um, got to be honest, that's one of the areas where we're kind of falling short as well. Yeah, we need storage. I mean, we got sweet potatoes and potatoes still coming out of our ears, and we're canning a lot of them. And, the you know, as far as uh, growing eyes on them and stuff, we're still – that's one of the nuts around here we're trying to crack. I mean, we're hoping to get a root cellar before long, but we got so many other things. But that really ought to be – Man, we really ought to start thinking about a legit root cellar solution yeah. for a lot of that stuff. Um, I'll be honest with you. We're we're kind of falling behind on some of that stuff when it comes to putting back some of these seed potatoes and stuff like that. We've, we're doing the best we can, but I mean, like, man, there's not a spare space around here. No. We need storage. Yeah. Yeah. So we're... Like we have potatoes in bedrooms right now. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's absolutely true. Hey, I got a comment from Eric Sider um, talking about the gray water. He said, you can uh, send gray water directly to a swale or mulch pit, but the ideal method is to have it filtered through reed beds first. General rule for size is one square meter per person for a reed bed. Uh, some good resources are the book by Art Lud- Ludwig, Create an Oasis with Gray Water. Man, Eric cool. has some good stuff, man. He sent yeah. me, he emailed me. I mean, man, this guy is the consummate researcher and doer. He actually does stuff. So you want to check out his YouTube channel as well. Also, the most ballin' bomb permaculture shirts out there. Oh, yeah. And that's what you see me wear all the time when I'm in a t-shirt. I'm mostly wearing, I mean, your mom probably ordered everything he had for each one of us. I think we have all his shirts. Yeah. I think. So you want to you want to have a really awesome conversation starter? Wear some of these shirts out there. Every time I wear that nitrogen fixing shirt and I go to someplace, you know, somebody's mm-hmm. always mentioning something about it. And it, honestly, the thought provoking and awesome. He also sent me regarding that uh, cardio miracle. He sent me an email about how you can make a lot of this nitrous oxide, which is what that stuff primarily is. Yeah. And uh, he got with his brother, sent me the research on that. I was going through it earlier and how you can make this stuff for a fraction. So it's out there. Hopefully I can remember to link that stuff. Um, Rhonda asked if we see Danny's channel. Well, we we covered that a little bit earlier. Uh, well, at the end of the day, look, Rhonda and everybody else, anybody out there trying to do legit stuff is going to be attacked, especially if you're critical about some of the people in this thing. They're just the passive-aggressive type. And they all leave, leave them alone. Don't be going out there just because you know their address now. Well, that is not the place you want to just show up, trust me. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, uh, this one here comes from Crystal Lanny. Uh, when it, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to use your last name, but too late now. We don't edit anything. Uh, she was talking about your uh, phone causing anxiety. It's all about the notifications. You know, I, I think you're right there, and I've, um, it, that's another thing Eric helped out with too. Oh, yeah. Is I still got some of it to do, like this group messaging stuff. That's going the way yeah. of the dodo, and um, I've done that very thing. I'm something of a luddite, and honestly, I don't know the full capabilities of these devices, and they're kind of biting me in the butt sometimes. But I got to say, life is a lot better when I take that thing, and I'm just not even messing with it. I just have times out the day that I'm messing with it. Speaking of devices, check out the Freesteading app. Bam. Forgot to mention that earlier. Yeah, I can't <laughs> believe we, we meant to mention it in the video as well. And I told you we needed to mention it. And we well, totally... I, I remembered eventually. Well, this this one here uh, from Lorenzo uh, says, uh, has a lot of wonderful comments. Thank you for so much, Lorenzo. I'll just get down to your questions because we're coming down to the end here. He says, uh, well, I guess I do have to read it. He says, my family currently lives in Washington. We're not very happy with our governor. Cost of living, taxes, strict gun laws, etc." We've been looking to move to Tennessee in about a year. My dream is to own a chunk of land and live off the land. However, my wife and I are just starting out and need to need to work to afford anything. Do you have any recommendations? He's got a number of questions here. Do you have any recommendations for areas to live? Uh, I mean, here is amazing. Like North Carolina? Well, like it in is. The mountains but in the, I mean, North the Carolina. freedom quotient in Tennessee is much, much higher than yeah. here. I will say that. Um, I have no regrets about where I live. I just wish we had... In fact, maybe I need to work a little bit more on that in acquiring the kind of freedom that they have in Tennessee. So as far as where to live, I know of nobody in Tennessee that regrets it. Yeah, I don't know a single person that regrets moving to Tennessee. So I think anywhere around there, and if you're staying away from city centers, you're going to do well. Um, any words on prior to moving, uh, of prior to moving? Uh, yeah, you want to see, I don't know your level of skill. I don't know if you're coming out there to live in a yurt or if you'd be okay with that. Judging by what you said there, I would think that you're probably going to want a house. Um, people have done it before where they just go out there and just, you know, kick it. Yeah, there's plenty of, like, land where you can start with. You can start with raw land and build whatever it is you want out there. Um, but there's also, like, uh, Tennessee recognized that a lot of people were moving there. So they did up their, uh, like, house building and stuff like that. Yeah, as far as recommending, uh, man, I... Okay, the only recommendation I know to give is uh, you hear banjos, you better paddle faster. Yeah, turn around. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, like, what did he say? If Ned Beatty couldn't make it down that river, you ain't. Um, best places to purchase uh, plant materials and livestock in Tennessee. Are, it depends on where you live in Tennessee. It's a big state, and it's a long state. The when you're center the, of Tennessee has the, like, the most nurseries, uh, like, in the world, I think. It's like the most nurseries in that area per however much they measure. I don't, I don't really know, but they have a ton of uh, nurseries in the middle of Tennessee. Well, this other one, it's a little, it's a question I didn't expect also from Lorenzo. Also wondering if you purchase life insurance or do you think it's a waste of money? Uh, depends on the life insurance. Really Dave Ramsey, that's where you ought to go through because he talks a lot about life insurance much better. Um, and, but to answer your question, yes, we do have multiple, uh, life insurance policies and, um, it depends on the policy. Dave Ramsey, like I said, is going to be the best one to go about it. But, you know, it is available out there. And um, unless it just gets far and away, yes, I've had a policy. In fact, when your mom and I got married, 
the first thing we did together was honestly, we were both in the army at the time. And first thing we did was got a, um, uh, life insurance policy right off the bat. So yeah, we still have that same policy today. That was the first thing we ever did. Get one if you're in the military, right? Well, they had what was called the uniform services benefit, uh, thing. And it was like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. And I was thinking, you know, I am jumping out of planes and stuff, so I probably, <laughs> yeah. I probably better get something more than that. And we still have that policy to this day. It, it was actually USBA is who we were using and uh, who we still use. Uh, he says, do you think the housing market will come down soon? And yes, yep. it will. <laughs> it's going to drop like a stone. In fact, I think it already is. In fact, I know it is. Um, you're seeing evidence all the way around, and it's only going to get worse as interest rates rise. The prices of houses ultimately will almost certainly come down. So, um, but then again, cash is going to be king because are you going to want to go out there and take a loan for 8%? I don't know. Or 10% if that's where it's going to go. So cash is king. I mean, for a lot of this stuff. And, but as these prices go down, land acquisition, which I'll be honest with you is, this is something I really need to do a, we really need to talk about son, all the yeah. land we bought with handshake deals. Yeah. Um, and they're but, available in Tennessee. Well, they're available everywhere. Yeah. And we've, we've taken a lot of dogs to hunt over this, uh, over doing that over the years, a lot of different ways to get land. And a lot of it doesn't involve a realtor. Now, are you going to get the best land? Nope. Um, in fact, go to hacks for the homestead or check them out. That was, that was a piece of land that we were jointly on together and we got it through a very creative financing that was paid off in five years. Yeah. I mean, it can be done. It can be done and you do it all the time, but you got to look outside the box. Y'all hopefully, I mean, honestly, I know this thing went a little long, but really we we're going to have to do a part two on something like this. And hopefully yeah. in the future, in the near future, we'll go ahead and do some acquisitions. Also, you're looking into, uh, we'll talk about land acquisition. That is, you're also looking at doing a call-in show to some yeah, sort. like a voicemail show where you guys can leave in voicemails and we'll listen to them and talk about them. Yeah, so we'll start that way and then maybe go into a live thing where we take your live calls. That'd be kind of cool. That would, Yeah, that would be cool. All right, y'all. Hopefully this was a blessing to you. Until next time, stay alert. Stay alive. Catches the worm.